And to Jesus be all the glory and all the honor and the praise for his goodness, his mercy, his kindness to each one of us. Today I want to continue teaching on the presence of the Holy Spirit, recognizing the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. Because when we recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit daily, the Lord Jesus becomes real on that day. And then the next day, we recognize the presence of the Lord again through His Spirit, and the presence of the Lord is real again. Because, you see, the more we recognize the person of the Holy Spirit, the more we recognize the person of the Lord Jesus, because... The Holy Spirit is the Lord. The Bible makes it very clear. He is the Lord. And the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, the Bible says. So we, we, we should not look at the Holy Spirit as a strange personality because He is the Lord. He is the one we know. Uh, the Lord said, for you know Him. He dwells with you. He shall be in you. You know him. He's not someone that you don't know. So thank you for joining me today. And I pray the Lord will use this blessed teaching to strengthen you in the word. Lord, I thank you today for your blessed word. I thank you for your wonderful revelation. Now, Lord, bless your people today in a blessed way. Strengthen them in the faith. Let this Blessed time together be a time of strength in the faith, in your holy and blessed name. Lord, I pray, meet every need, answer every prayer, hear every cry. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles you'll perform in our lives. Amen. And God's people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Now, remember, yesterday I was saying to embrace the Holy Spirit is to embrace God himself. Now, he is the first manifestation of God to our hearts, to our lives. Because when we are born again, it is he, the Holy Spirit, who convicts us of sin first, who brings us to the cross, who reveals the work of Calvary, who gives us the faith to believe, and who brings us to Jesus and renews us. So, when we come to the Lord, we experience the Holy Spirit first, and it is He, the Holy Spirit, who makes the Lord Jesus so real. Now, think about this. How can someone that walked the earth be real to anyone if they walked the earth 2,000 years ago? Think with me for a minute. Um, let's say your mom said, or your dad said, let me tell you all about your great-great-grandfather, whom you never saw, you never met. You only heard about your great-great-grandfather or grandma or someone in the family who lived, let's say, a hundred years before you were born, or 50 years before you were born, and your uh, dad or your grandfather 
begins to tell you about that someone. Will he become real to you? Will that person from your family, your forefathers, will he become real to you just because someone tells you about him? No, because it's all a memory. It's all information up here. And well, you say, I heard that my grandpapa or my great-great-grandpapa was a soldier in the British Army or a soldier in the Indian Army or was a doctor and so on and so forth. And he married so-and-so and he did such and such. And they'll tell you all the information possible about him or her. But are they real to you? Are they as real to you as the air you're breathing? Are they as real to you as your own body or your own life? No, because reality is spiritual. Reality is not a memory. Reality is spirit. Is spirit. So in other religions, they teach people about someone who founded a religion or founded some movement. But that someone uh, is not living in them. That someone is not real in and through them. Now, Jesus is more real, more real than all our family members that we've heard about over and over and over again. He's more real to us than our brothers and sisters. He's more real to us than our mom and dad. He's more real to us than our children. He's more real to us than ourselves. Who gives that? Who makes him so real? Who gives us that reality in our life? The Holy Spirit. Think about that for just a moment. Let it sink deep in your being. You haven't seen Jesus with these eyes yet. 2,000 years ago, he walked the earth. He healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers. Multitudes heard him. Multitudes were, were healed. But if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, none of this would be real. And the person of the Lord Jesus could not be real if someone just tells you a story, or even if you read the Bible. He becomes real, and more real than you yourself, because the Holy Spirit is the one who makes him real. You know, I walked into the office of Catherine Kuman one time when I was younger, because I used to work with them. And I asked a dear lady, now this was after Catherine had gone to heaven, I was uh, in the in the office, and she was putting on these shelves, these little cassette tapes of Miss Kuman and her messages, uh, the messages of Miss Kuman. And I said to this dear lady, I said, can you tell me a little more about Miss Kuman? What touched you through her ministry? How did her ministry affect your life? And she began to weep. And she said, she made Jesus so real to me. And this precious woman was crying. I remember her with all white hair. She was uh, maybe in her 70s, weeping. She had a beautiful face, that dear lady, in the office. And it so had a, such an impact on me. And, you know, I think about, well, how can it be 
that a Catherine Coleman can make Jesus so real to one of these dear people who worked with her. It wasn't Catherine Coleman. It was the Holy Spirit through Miss Coleman who made Jesus so real to that dear woman I talked to. When Catherine went and visited Amy Semple McPherson's grave, uh, there was a lady there who was paying her respect to Amy Semple McPherson, and uh, Catherine spoke to her uh, there with Maggie, who worked with her, and I knew Maggie well. And they began talking, and she said, what was it about Amy that touched your life? She asked her the same question I asked the dear lady in the office. And she said, she made Jesus so real to me. And Catherine walked away and she said, that's what I want people to say about me. And how she did, huh? Because she made Jesus real to all of us who are in, in those meetings, including me. And, uh, but who really makes him real to us? A person? No. The person of the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real using the Catherine Cummins and the Amy Sample McPherson's and others. So his reality is our life. The Lord's reality is our life today. Without the reality of Jesus in my life, I don't think I can survive. Can I, can I tell you something that you may be surprised to hear me say? I love the Word of God. Oh, I love the Word of God. But if I ever read the Bible and the Lord did not become real to me as I'm reading the Bible, I don't think I would continue reading. Because you read the Bible for one reason. He becomes so real to you through the pages of scripture, continually real to you. Think about a book, a book you can read, any book, about somebody, whoever they may be. There's no reality coming through that book to you about someone you read about, some famous person in the past. No, no. But the Bible is different. And you know, when you read a book, you only read it once. Maybe twice of you really enjoyed it, you know. Maybe three or four times, okay. And that's about it. If you really enjoyed it and maybe learned something from it. But the Bible is different. You cannot stop reading the Bible. Even though you've read those same chapters for the last 50 years of your life like I have, I cannot stop reading it. Even though I know what's coming in the next chapter. Because I've read the Bible, and I read it today three times a year. Every four months, one time. But why do I keep reading it? Is it because I think, well, I may have missed something I've read? No, no. The Bible makes God so real in my life. The Holy Spirit uses the Scripture to make Jesus so real in my life. God the Father so real in my life. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the Bible would be just a letter. And and Paul said, the letter kills. But the spirit of the letter gives life. Jesus said in John 6, 
He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit, who is the power of Almighty God, He is the manifestation of God's presence to our hearts. Remember what I said yesterday. He is the omnipotence of the Trinity. He is the omniscience of the Trinity. He is the omnipresence of the Trinity. So he is the one who brings the power of God into your life. He's the one who brings the knowledge of God into your life. He's the one who brings the presence of God into your life. So God is ever present because of the Holy Spirit. His presence is ever so real because of the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we live uh, in peace in our hearts, with joy in our hearts, even though the world outside may be in turmoil, and we can be affected by the things in our family and ministry and work and so on. But that peace never leaves within. Who puts that there? The Holy Spirit. You know, I've said many times, people say, well, Jesus is in my heart and I have to correct them. Yeah, Jesus is in your heart, but who really is in your heart? Because Jesus is in heaven, physically seated at God's right hand. The one in your heart is his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God the Father. So everything we receive from the Lord comes through Jesus, but we cannot receive it and know it until the Holy Spirit imparts it. So he is the one who imparts that reality. He's the one who imparts the mighty power of God. He's he's the one who imparts the knowledge of God. He's the one who imparts the presence of God into our hearts. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we read this about this blessed person. Beginning at verse 10, it says, But God hath revealed them unto us by Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So God reveals everything to us by Spirit. For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of man which is in him. So who knows you better than your own spirit? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How amazing that we can know freely who God is and everything about the Lord, his nature, his ways, by the Holy Spirit. Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. How? By the Holy Spirit, we can know his heart. Which things also we speak, verse 13 says. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. But which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So there's a wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's deep calleth unto deep, you know. Comparing depth with depth in our hearts of God reveals to us, and as God reveals those things to us about who he is, we're transformed into his image. But it says, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness. So you cannot really know these things mentally. The natural man, meaning the the mind, not just the unbeliever, but even the mind, uh, your mind, my mind, cannot receive those things 
they are foolishness unto him. Now they can he know them because why? They are spiritually, not mentally, they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. Meaning I can't know the reality of God with my mind. I, I cannot know the reality of his presence in my mind. And a lot of what you see today is mental. And it's very, you know, it's displayed as spiritual. It's displayed as real. But it's mental. Like someone can read the Bible, but doesn't know the Lord. Like Saul of Tarsus knew the Word, but did not know the Lord till he became Paul the Apostle. So think about Saul of Tarsus, who knew the Old Testament really well. He was a learned man. He was taught by Gamaliel, the most scholarly man of the day in the Old Testament. Yet he did not know the Lord. So it's possible to know the Word and not know the Lord who gave the Word. Amazing, huh? Chad, I I heard you make a little sound there because you really are learning. So, uh, it's possible to know the Word of God and not know the, the God who gave the Word. Because it's the Holy Spirit that gives that Word. And then it says this, He that is spiritual judgeth all things. So you cannot discern the Word. That's what that word means, judgeth. Discern, understand. We can't understand the Word and discern the Word without the Spirit of God. Because it says, he that is spiritual, he that is full of the Holy Spirit, is really what it means. Spiritual doesn't mean religious. Religious is a mental thing. Religious is a thing of the flesh, thing of the soul. So when we say he's religious, we mean he's religious in his soul. It's possible to be, it's possible to be religious and not spiritual. But it's not possible to be spiritual and not religious. I'm going to say it again. It's possible to be religious and not spiritual. But if you are spiritual, then you're truly religious. You're truly religious. Your religion is pure. Like James talk, you know, talks about pure religion. Well, pure religion is born out of a, a, a spirit that is born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Then there is a true religion in the soul manifested in the outer life through the body. So it's very important what I'm saying. I know is deep for some of you. But all I'm really saying is the Holy Spirit makes the Word alive in us. Because that Word becomes spirit in us. So it's not mental, it's spiritual. That's why, you know, it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous to only know the Word of God mentally and not to meditate upon the Word till the Word becomes spirit. Meditation turns knowledge into spirit. Uh, what we know mentally becomes spiritual in our hearts. And this is when the change happens. So the change doesn't happen by knowing information. Information must become revelation before the change happens. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So this wonderful person is the revealer. You know, it says in verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by Spirit. So he's the revealer of the revelation called Christianity. And, and, and not only that, but he's the one who draws us to the, 
to the Lord. He is the one, like I said to you yesterday from Ezekiel 36, 27, where God says, I will cause them, I will put my spirit in them and cause them to walk in my statutes and cause them to walk in my commandments. And he's the one who comes and convicts us. John 16, 7 and 8, he will convict the sinner of sin. He's the one who will wash us, renew us. Titus 3, 5, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I showed you those scriptures yesterday. And he's the one who also sanctifies us to obedience. All the work of the Holy Spirit. And I love this. He's the one who quickens us, who gives us life as as believers. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. Now, this wonderful person is the one who transforms us. 2 Corinthians, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 quickly. And verse 17 through 18. It says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, means a face without a veil like Moses had, beholding as in a glass, meaning the word, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image of the Lord, from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. So, He is the one who transforms us, not only convicts us and quickens us, not only he's the one who sanctifies and and purifies and so forth. He's also the one who transforms us. And finally, this is a blessed thing. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, talks about a most remarkable work of the Holy Spirit, and that is, in, it says in verse 13, Ephesians 1, in whom you also trusted after you, you heard the word of, of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you have, you have believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, sealed means you can't walk away. Because when he seals you, life eternal is yours forever. The sealing of the Holy Spirit is a mighty act of love. It's a mighty act of love. Now, this wonderful, blessed person has intellect. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, we read about how he knoweth the deep things of God. He has intellect. And he has will. He gives according to his will. 1 Corinthians 12.11 as he wills. And then, uh, he, he, he has emotions. Uh, Romans fifteen thirty talks about the love of the Spirit. The love of the Spirit. Emotions. You know, we, we read in, in Ephesians four thirty, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed. Grief is emotional. He is a precious person with intellect, with will, with emotions. This is God Almighty. And before I close today, because tomorrow I'm going to talk about a new anointing is coming. There's a new anointing coming, I'm telling you. Tomorrow will be a prophetic program because I want to talk about the new anointing that's coming. And I'll probably continue that through Thursday. The blessed Holy Spirit can be resisted. Can you believe that it's possible to resist Him? It's possible to resist Him. Uh, Acts 7.51 talks about how the Holy Spirit was resisted 
because Stephen, when he was preaching this amazing message, he says, you stiff-necked and are circumcised on heart and ears. He was talking to the Pharisees. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. And he can be quenched. So precious. For the Bible says, quench not the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Holy Spirit. That's First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. Don't put out his fire because it's possible to do it. And when people build a fence around him, they quench his moving. Catherine used to say, if you ever build a fence around the Holy Spirit, he will jump over it and leave and go somewhere else. And like I said earlier, he can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Ghost. And he can be tempted. Uh, Acts 5.9. Peter said to, to Ananias, were you not afraid to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Because they lied about how much property they had. How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? He said that to him and his wife, Sapphira. And finally, he can be vexed. In Isaiah 63.10, Isaiah 63.10, it talks about how Israel vexed the Holy Spirit. That word vexed is a very powerful word. But let me just read it quickly, Isaiah 63.10. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. And that is is a deep grief. Vexed the Holy Spirit. Therefore he was turned to be their enemy. And he fought against them. Wow. Continual grieving. Vexed the Holy Spirit. And, And the Bible says we need him because... He's the one who revives us. I told you yesterday how he's the one who turned chaos into beauty in Genesis chapter 1. How the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, upon the face of the chaos, and became beauty. It says in Isaiah 32, 15, one of my favorite verses, Ah, until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. He brings such reviving, such renewal, that a desert becomes a fruitful field and later a forest. Think about your life. If your life is a, fo- is a, is a, is a desert today, he'll turn it into a forest. Fruitful field and then a forest. Endless supply of fruit. Hallelujah. Lord, Bring them into that walk. For you said we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. For you said be filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. Lord, everyone today that needs that blessed, fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, please, Lord, fill them anew. Why don't you lift your hands and receive that? Just say, Father, in Jesus' name today, 
Fill me anew with your Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Cause me to walk in your blessed Holy Spirit and live in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name for the rest of my life. Amen, amen, and amen. And Lord, meet every need also, whether it be spiritual or emotional or physical or financial. Meet every need today, Lord, in that life. In Jesus' sweet and darling name. Amen and amen. Now don't leave me because I want to pray with you about your finances. I've been telling you, prosperity is not an accident. Prosperity is not an accident. And and the reason I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit because I'm telling you, we are coming into a time of an amazing harvest. The world is, is going to see great trouble. But the church is going to see great blessings. And I want you to be prepared for the great blessings coming. And if you want to prosper in the future, it's not going to be an accident. Because prosperity comes as we apply the laws of God dealing with abundance. God's laws of abundance are given to us in Scripture. So it's not about luck. It's not about luck. It's about obedience. When we obey the Lord, we secure our future financially. Not only our present, but our future is secured financially. And we're showing Him our gratitude. We're showing Him our faithfulness to His work. A faithful man will abound with blessings. So, uh, don't let circumstances control your giving. Let, 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 let faith be the force behind your giving. Proverbs 11, 24. There is that scatters and yet increaseth. There is that withholds more than is right. It tends to poverty. The liberal soul, the soul who gives, shall be made fat. And that word fat means anointed, blessed. In fact, the, the Hebrew says rich. The liberal soul shall be made rich. And the Hebrew also is for it, is also anointed. He that waters will be watered also himself. So notice, he that waters shall be watered. That's future also, not just present. Shall be made rich. Shall be made fat or anointed and rich. And then watered. So the, 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 the problem with, with some sweet people is they, they let conditions rule they're giving. But the Bible tells us not to look at conditions. When you read uh, Ecclesiastes 11, which I've, you know, mentioned more than once, and you read verse 1 through verse 6, it says, cast your bread on the water, you'll find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, also to eight, for you know not what evil will will be on the earth. And then it says, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. Then the tree starts falling to the south, to the north, and so on. But it says, he that observes the wind, he that observes the conditions, will not sow. And he that regards the clouds will not reap. So don't let conditions rule your giving. Let the word of God, let it be the power behind you, faith behind you. And that's how you sow your way out of crisis. Because 
The job that God has given us is one thing. It says, in the morning sow your seed. In the evening withhold not your hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper this or that, or whether they both shall be good, alike good. That's Ecclesiastes 11.6. So my job is to sow. Verse 1 says, cast your bread on the water, it'll come back. Verse 6 says, in the morning sow, in the evening sow, because you don't know which one will produce the big harvest you need. So Lord, as they sow today, let the harvest be triggered. Let the harvest come with abundance. That their future will be secure, be no fear of tomorrow, in Jesus' holy name. And God's people said, Amen. All right, it's time to sow. Go ahead and use the platform you're watching me on to sow your seed. Or you can go to bennyhin.org, our website. Or you can text BHM 45777. Do it and believe God. Your future is brighter than your past, more prosperous than your past. I'll see you tomorrow as I teach on the coming anointing.